Hello and welcome to episode 255 of Fergo on the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can follow me on Twitter, at AndrewRP. Join me as always is the glorious League Freak. You can find on Twitter, at League Freak. How you going there, mate? I'm going very well, Andrew. How are you? I'm not too bad. Just having um, some nice, courteous conversation on Twitter. How's yours going? Mine's really, uh, really nice and courteous as well. I would say that um, if I said that it is night time now in Sydney, I would probably get half a dozen people calling me a cunt. <laughs> so, hmm, seems to we get very different reactions from what we post on Twitter. Yeah, if I said it was day, if it was uh, daytime in Victoria right now, mm. I'd have people telling me, you know what? There's probably a fair chance that's possible. Yeah, it's really weird. <laughs> let's get into this. Let's do our advert first because we've yeah, let's, we let's do that. If yeah. you've got hairy balls, then you need Manscaped. Freaky, tell me about Manscaped. Well, Manscaped is the world's number one leading company when it comes to manscaping technology. And if you go to manscaped.com and you put in our exclusive code at the checkout, which is NRL, you get twenty percent off from free shipping for everything that they have. Now, the lawnmower 3.0 is the cutting edge of manscaping technology. There is no better. It is waterproof, ceramic blades. It has a thing that makes sure it doesn't actually nip you at all, which is very important. I I use it all the time. I'm very rough with it, also with the manscaper. And I, I it's just you never have to worry about getting pinched or anything like that. It's got a light. Uh, did I mention it's waterproof? So you can use it in the shower if you want. There is nothing that the Lawnmower 3.0 can't do for your life. So if you want to get yourself in order, especially coming into summer, you know, in Australia, you've got to be ready. You've got to be ready. We're all getting out there, apart from if you're in South Australia, we're getting out there. We're celebrating life again. Go to manscaped.com. Put in the code NRL. Buy everything. Get the... Get the perfect package 3.0 or even the performance package 3.0, which is the creme de la creme. Yeah, it's got, the, it's got the weed whacker in there. Ah, the weed whacker. That'll clear out your ears and your nose hair in like 10 seconds. It's yeah. just that good. So go there, support the people that support your favorite podcast. There we go. Now, obviously, State of Origin 3 has just ended, which means the footy season in Australia is all done and dusted. Yeah. And by some sort of freak show of an occurrence 2020 provides another misery and that is queensland with state of origin series well look congratulations to queensland on Absolutely. winning the state of asterisk series um it was a, a fine series win uh, i'm looking forward to game four winner takes all i think that'll be good but yeah, yeah it's gonna be good they'll hold the trophy for what two or three weeks before we play 2021's state of origin series uh it's yeah. just a, think- a shame do you think if New South, I was going to say, do you think if New South Wales wins the winners take all game four, the Queensland might refute that and say that we needed game five because there's actually two games apiece? Does it really matter, though? I mean, have we ever really consulted Queensland when it comes to running the game anywhere? Well, they, they kind of came up with the origin concept. Yeah, but we, we were the ones... Like, like in conjunction with Victorians. <laughs> yeah, but, but when they, they come to us and they said, can we do it? And we greenlit it. That's what I'm saying. All I'm saying is that we run everything and we're the best state and that's all there is to it. I mean, half of their state, half their team, even with the more strict rules to stop them from picking the United States of Queensland teams, half their team's still born outside of Queensland. That is the way it is, isn't it? Mm. 
And the worst player for New South Wales was a Queensland-born player. Yeah. I'm just stating facts here. Just facts. Yeah, that's all I've done today. Hasn't let's, worked, but still. <laughs> let's be honest. Um, Queensland's probably best player of the entire series, Harry Grant, wouldn't have got his chance if it hadn't been for a New South Wales team giving him an opportunity. Exactly. You know, who who was the one that coached all of Queensland's best players? A New South Wales play, uh, person in Craig Bellamy. And Michael Maguire. Yeah, that was mostly yeah. Craig Bellamy. Madge, Madge was there, like, near Harry Grant when Harry Grant was doing stuff. Oh, did, you didn't see that, the post-game stuff, did you? No, I didn't see anything after halftime. <laughs> what happened in the post-game? The West Tigers got a mention. I'm sure they did. Cameron, Cameron Munster kind of slammed the West Tigers. Sure he did. What did yeah. you say? <laughs> but anyway. We've no, got no, no. Of time. I know we no, got, we've got to get I'll, to the West Tigers no, later on in this. No, no, no. Do, do it now. Do it now. Do it now. I'm, I'm curious now. Do okay. it now. What did he say? I said something along the lines, and I'm paraphrasing here, paraphrasing hard. He was like, uh, he was like, because Harry Grant was there, and he's like, oh, too bad, Tigers, you know, sort of sticking it up them. And I, <laughs> I tweeted like, oh, it's nice to see the Tigers finally get their last loss of the, se- the season. <laughs> it's probably the best thing that's happened to the Tigers all week, actually. That's probably actually the first time the Tigers have been mentioned in conjunction with State of Origin for about ever since Robbie Farrell last played. Most likely, hey. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's something we don't usually get talked about in November, so that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Munster. Um, all right, so about the game. Yeah. First half was... Um, and it was an interesting first half because Queensland had so much good field position. Yeah. And, well, only six points up at half time. And to me, I thought, if New South Wales can find a way to find another gear, mm. then there might be a chance here. But I'll tell you what. For much of the last 10 minutes of that first half, they were gassed. Yeah, and look, Queensland got a lot of brilliant field position in the second half and a a lot of possession once again. And New South Wales were valiant in their defence. You know, Queensland tried their best to break the line a number of times. Eventually, Harry Grant got through with a, a little scoot and like a almost a, a crawl to, what do you call it, a commando crawl to the line. It looked like he might have dropped it short of the line, but he'd got there. It was a good try. Um, and, yeah, look, it was a very hard-fought game. New South Wales losing Tedesco in that first half was really bad. That was a bad knockout to Tedesco. I've never seen him knocked out like that. And you could see as he was going into the tackle, you thought to yourself, it, it was one of those tackles that you sort of see him slide into a tackle and you're like, Oh man, he's going to get hurt, but then he yeah. bounces up. All this time, he didn't bounce up. No. So what happened is he he went into the tackle a bit sideways, and mm-hmm. as he does when he goes sideways, he does get very low to the ground. Yeah. And uh, as he's fallen in in the tackle, his head has accidentally come into contact with Josh Papali's knee. I think it was. Yeah, yeah. And Jai Arrow hit him from I hit him low, so he didn't see the knee from Papali hit Tedesco in the head. Mm. And then all all Arrow says is he's looked around. He's seen that Tedesco's lost the ball. So he's gone and picked up Tedesco and sort of give him a bit of a, you know, pull him up a little bit and drop him down again as if to sort of rough him up and say, ah, you piece of shit. And he looks down and he sees that Tedesco ain't moving and he's realised that, oh, fuck, this, this bloke was hurt before and, oh, no, I'm, I'm a bit of a dick. And he put his hand in the air and say, this guy's not good. 
Yeah, and you know the other thing too in that tackle is because Tedesco was hit hard and like uh, Arrow come around the back of him, so and so he's around the back of him, and Tedesco's arms had gone a bit, a little bit stiff around the ball, but he'd lost it obviously. Mm. Um, and I so so Arrow's arm was caught under his arm a little bit, and he was sort of dragging his arm up, and because Tedesco's like out. He's he's not moving his arm out of the way, so it lifted him up at first. And he sort of was dra- not so much. It wasn't like he was re- picked him, grabbed him, and ragdolled him. He had his arm under there too a bit. And as you say, as soon as he saw that he'd been knocked out, he like it was like a switch flicked in his face. It was kind of like he saw his face dropping, like oh man. And he was the first one that called someone over. Mm. And look, the play was still going on and none of the Queensland players, I think Jake Friend might have been near there too. None of them cared about the play going on. They were, they were worried about Tedesco, which was nice to see in that moment that, you know, the football, they didn't care about that. Well, I can understand Friend being, because, you know, he's a Roosters teammate of Tedesco. Yeah. But I think it, it showed, you know, Arrow isn't isn't a dead set grub. Even yeah. though it looked like it. Um, yeah. When you watch the replay closer, you see that Arrow's got no way of knowing that Tedesco's been knocked out. No, no. And because of all of that, he seems to think that Tedesco's trying to hold him down. And then he turns around and looks up and goes, oh, hang on, he's not well. Yeah. And he immediately put his hand there. Like, that was his first reaction was, he needs help. Mm-hmm. And if he had been a real grub, he would have just stepped over his limp body after he'd done that to him and just carried on and left him there. But yeah. he, stopped, he stopped being involved in the play and he put his hand up. He didn't try and chase the play. He lost complete contact of where the ball was yeah and i think it shows that there was very remorseful about what had happened and, and regretting it um but i don't think he didn't think that severe really is and i certainly don't think it did anything to ex- exacerbate what went on he didn't pick him up that far no nah. yeah, he might have lifted him what <laughs> he, he didn't even lift his whole body up just you know the top half of him may have only lifted about an inch or two off the ground really it didn't it wasn't much yeah, and look, if if Tedesco had been completely fine, like if he hadn't been hurt at all, I, I don't think it was a grubby act. Even. No, it wasn't. I, like, the, and, you know, a, a lot of people were very angry about it, and I get it. You know, you see a player get hurt, and your concern can turn into anger really quickly, mm. and that's, that's human nature. So I, I get that. Yeah. But I, I think that had Tedesco been fine, I'd... I think it was just one of those. Like there was an incident a couple of minutes later where um, Munster got tackled by Nathan Cleary, and he gave an open palm to Nathan Cleary's head, and then about three other Queensland players grabbed Nathan Cleary as he's on his back on the ground, and there yeah. was not, nothing come of it. There was no penalty or anything. That was uh, odd that but, one because I like. Queensland had just got a six-again call for that because Cleary was just stuck in the ruck and he wasn't getting out of the way. He mm. clearly trying to slow the play down, as everyone does. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, Munster, sort of, in his attempt to get up, tried to make it look as if he was trying to push Cleary away, but at the same time hit him in the head. Yeah, pretty firm one. And and, look, um, I, and he hit I him s- with, a, with a palm. Yeah. And, look, I the way I see it, and I'm willing to... If someone thinks I'm wrong, that's fine. But the way I see it... You know they're playing the hardest game of football that I think I've seen all year, in, in you know in the rugby league, and it's like they're putting their bodies on the line, they're pumped, full of adrenaline, they're playing a thousand miles an hour, they're tired, like they were tired from about the thirty fifth minute onwards in that game, and 
you know, they're trying to get every single little advantage they can. I don't think that incident with Cleary was a grubby act either. It was just something that happens on a football field. And look, Cleary, and I've said this before, Cleary's been around professional sportsmen and footy players and in dressing sheds with them and stuff since he was a little boy. Like, nothing phases him. There's nothing you could do in terms of rugby league that's going to phase him. So he didn't give a shit. No, the referee was was like, play on, you know. Well, the referee issue gave a penalty to Queensland. And that was the only thing that I had an issue with because I thought, you've already given him six again. Why don't you just say, you know, just get out of the road and play the ball. You've got six again already. Why give them a penalty and six again on top of that? That was the bit I thought was a bit odd. Like, they're being punished twice. Yeah. For that, when it was Munster who instigated the whole fracas that went out over the top. Yeah. That's the bit I didn't get. Just thought, you know, why have a penalty? Just go, just get the shit, get it, get back on side and just have six again and, and play on. That's all I needed to do. Mm-hmm. That would have been fine. Yeah, and that's, you know, and I look, I, I, I think that uh, you're playing in a game like that, it's, you're going to get banged up. You're going to get. Yeah, everyone. Look, there's there's 17 players from both teams that if the way they feel physically right now, if most other people felt like that, they would be in bed for a month. You know, <laughs> yeah. and, and it's a hard sport. It's a really hard sport. And these players, they're all putting themselves on the line, and they're playing at the cutting edge of Australian sport. And I just thought, and I, I thought as soon as I Jai Arrow saw that, you know, Tedesco had actually been knocked out, that there was nothing more going on in the tackle. You could see his face, see it on his face. Yeah. You know? He and was... the, fact, the fact that no one rushed in from New South Wales to start a fight with him because he wasn't trying to start anything, mm. that shows to you that everyone could tell on that football field that he regretted what he did and he was trying to do what he could to help at, the, at that time. Yeah. yeah I, mean, he's I... Not, he's, I mean, he's not a first responder. No. Nah. <laughs> You know, he's not a medic. He's not, he's not going to be able to provide any sort of um, <laughs> assistance to him medically. Okay. But you at least Let, get the medics there on time, you know. Now let's go to my tweet then. Right? Let's do that. <laughs> so my tweet, and, and keep in mind, I tweet this and I don't think much about it after. Like I tweet it and I'm like, boom, it's gone, right? And I didn't actually, when I tweeted it, I was purposefully not putting any judgment into it. It was just what I felt like I saw on the field. And, you know, play went on. You know, play continued. So I wrote, Jai Arrow was the first person to call for help for Tedesco, because he was. He didn't realize he had been knocked out at first. Because that's what I saw. Yeah. You know, because he didn't. You know, and I'm not applying judgment. If you think what he did was grubby, that's fine. You know, I'm not really going to argue too much about it. If you think it was reckless, it, whatever. I'm not putting any judgment on it. That was just my tweet. People fucking hated me. <laughs> they hated my guts. I got called a cunt. I got told it was a shit take, a shit opinion. Uh, just so many fucking angry people about what I said. And I'm like... I didn't. I just said what I saw. I didn't even say what he did was right or wrong. I mean, yeah, people, people have got this opinion that you're there purely to irritate them. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't you know, know why. You know, my last tweet, uh, forty twenty live podcast. They put up a a tweet about twenty minutes ago saying who is the best player in Super League. 
who's been best player of Super League, and all I tweeted was not a Wigan player. <laughs> <laughs> How many players have been coming after you? They haven't yet, but they will soon. <laughs> <laughs> They're down at the bakery at the moment. But yeah, I got I got fucking attacked relentlessly for about an hour. But just saying, like, what I saw on the field, it was really weird. I can't wait to take a break from Twitter. I really need it, Andrew. <laughs> oh, mate, that is so hilarious. Because that's the thing. We've discussed this before. I, I was a little bit more... I, mine wasn't that offensive either, but I was a little bit more... I put a bit of opinion on I guess. Mm. I said, Jai Arrow with a really stupid post-tackle roughing up of Tedesco that he immediately regretted. Yeah, he did. You could see any... I it was really weird to see his face like because he went from pushing him away and then he kind of looked down mid push yeah and he stopped and like you could see his face drop like oh something's gone wrong with this guy and straight away was waving to the sideline play was going on but yeah. everyone that was around Tedesco was like just cared about his his condition um and we've seen that a lot this year in rugby league and it's been it's been good to see that players are, you know, they're really concerned when they see their colleagues hurt like that. Same yeah. thing happened later on with Cody Walker. Poor Cody Walker. He got turned off, like properly turned off, and um, they got the stretcher out and, and the, the medicab coming out for him. They put him in the neck brace. Apparently he's all right. He was, well, considering he was in the neck brace, he was shaking hands and stuff after the game. Oh, that's, to- that's a good outcome then. Yeah, yeah, it's about as good as you can hope for. But, yeah, devastating for both players, and hopefully they're both all right. But, yeah, man. Oh, my, my tweet, by the way, got 30 likes. <laughs> <laughs> Yours got 30, 30 responses of hatred. Mine got, mine got 28 likes <laughs> and 21 replies, which I refuse to even look through. <laughs> yeah, don't look at them. Yeah, I can't. I just can't. I just... Yeah, that, they, they say that a lot to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I do have a few stats. Okay. Someone did ask, when was the last time Queensland won a State of Origin series without a Broncos team, without a Broncos player in it? Was that it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, NRL Simpsons, actually. That's right. Yeah. Um. So I, I can the the last time they won a series without a Queensland without a Brisbane Broncos player in there would have been nineteen eighty seven when the Broncos didn't even exist. Um. The last time they had an entire series without a Broncos player in it was nineteen ninety seven because of the Super League War. Yes. That's it. Yeah. Um. Now another another stat that I came up with. Is um in all of the State of Origin games played from 1980 till tonight, including that fourth game in 1987 that was played over in uh, Los Angeles, mm-hmm. Queensland has scored just one point more than New South Wales in the first half of those games. Mm-hmm. In the second half, Queensland leads 1,052 to 963. It's crazy. <laughs> it, it, that's You know what? That's the best... State of origin statistic I've ever heard anybody bring up because that really shows shows where Queensland wins the games. Yeah, everyone knows Queensland will come back at you in the second half. Yeah. Now I've got another one for you. I thought I'd test your mind here a little bit. Okay, let's do this. Okay. When was the last time a field goal was kicked in State of Origin and who kicked it? 
Last time a field goal was kicked. Um, ooh, I'm thinking of all the great field goals in state of origin history. For some reason, Sean Timmons' one is right up there. But I'm going to say the last field goal that was kicked. Man, this is a difficult one. I'm going to say... Oh, man, this is a tough one. Well, can you get the year? I'm going to say it was 2015. Very good. Really? And yeah. the player? Yeah. Man, and I swear I'm not I'm not cheating. I've actually got my arms crossed and I'm looking at, at my roof. Um, oh. Well, you've got an over projector with Robbie Williams project <laughs> on the roof. <laughs> Uh, who would the player have been? Uh, in my my head, wants to say it was Thurston, but I feel like it was someone a little bit different. Uh, I don't think it would have been Cameron Smith. I'm going to say DCE. Wrong on all three councils. Cooper Cronk. Ah, damn it! Uh, but that's that's pretty interesting. We had a lot of people think that um, you know most Origin series have a field goal in it somewhere, but. Um, yeah, we haven't had one for five years now. Yeah. And I'm still only, getting, I'm still only attacked one by since, on Twitter. Oh, I'm sure you are. It's all right. <laughs> so yeah, that's um that was a pretty interesting little little tidbit there. Do you yeah. know who kicked the last field goal for New South Wales? The last one for New South Wales. That's a good one. Uh Jared Hayne. Jared Hayne. Did he kick one? I have to look at this. I know the year, but I didn't. I didn't see who it was. Do you know what year? The year I would say. No, actually, no, it wasn't Jared Hay. Okay. It's a very famous field goal by a New South Welshman. Oh, really? Yeah. It's not the Sean Timmons one, is it? No, it's not that one. Okay, I was going to say a uh, famous field goal by New South Wales. Oh man. You also uh, the the. The bloke who kicked the field goal also scored a try in that game. Freddie Fittler? No, it was Brett Finch. No way. Yeah. 2006 was the last time New South Wales kicked a field goal. 2006? Wow. I thought it would have been not that far back. Yeah. Then again, we did have, you know, from that point on, we kind of had Mitchell Pearce in the halves, which was a duck egg. He cannot kick field goals to save himself. Nah. I remember watching the game between... The, oh, I think it might have been the Roosters versus the Sharks. Yeah. Or it might have, actually, it might have been the Knights versus Sharks. Um, and he and Chad Townsend on... Oh, no, it wasn't Chad Townsend. Oh, fuck, I can't remember what it was. Anyway, the Sharks and the Roosters which, or, and Mitch Pearce, they were just trading field goal misses for much of the second half. And none <laughs> yeah. of them landed one. Yeah, I remember that one too. It's horrible oh. to watch. Might have been Todd Carney. I can't remember. God, it was horrible. Oh, man. I, I, remember, I, I remember sitting through the game going, man, this is why Golden Point is no good. I don't feel like it was Todd Carney, because I feel like it was, like, the, I feel like the Sharks had players that you were like, oh, yeah, that's fair enough. But then you're like Mitchell Fish, you're like, he missed another one? <laughs> he just knows how to do it. He really does. Anyway. By the way, while we're talking about Mitchell Pierce, I saw... Uh, you know, people have a dig at me about uh, Nathan Cleary. It's fair enough. 
Because no one's fucking positive. Can like all I see is people say post positivity on here. Because I'll send it my way. Jesus. Anyway, so <laughs> um, I, so people get into me about uh, Nathan Cleary all the time in State of Origin. I thought he had an all right game. Um, there were a couple of moments where he had a missed kick. There was a knock on he had. Um, outside of that, I thought he did not too bad. Um, Tell you what, that kick that he that led to Tedesco scoring that first try, yeah, was an absolute dog of a kick. Like yeah. that was that was the sort of kick that does not deserve to be rewarded with a try. <laughs> he should not get a try assist for that. <laughs> yeah, the poor uh, Corey Allen. Yeah, it was just the kick was a bit too high, a bit too deep. Allen got there comfortably. Like no New South Wales player got to him, but the ball just slipped through his arms and down through his knees and onto the ground and. DCE, who was offside, was hesitant about whether he should touch the ball or not, and that hesitation was just enough to allow Tedesco to get a hand on the ball and score. Yeah, the the old rule, give away penalty before you give away try. Yeah. So I like think DCE probably was probably thinking, too, if he touched it, he was probably going to get sin-binned. Oh, you reckon? Yeah. I See, I don't think it would have been. But if That's the thing, though. Because cause it would have interfered with a try-scoring play, there's a fair chance he could have got sin-binned. Man, I think I, that's what he was probably thinking in the back of his mind. If I touch this, I'll get binned. It's possible. It's po- I would have taken the chance. I think yeah, I think you'd take that chance. I mean, he gave mm. away a try. That's worse than a sim binning. Yeah. Especially in Origin. Well, that's right. It's uh, yeah, it's uh, Queensland's won the series that they went to expect to win. Mm. Very good win. That's uh. The question now comes: What do uh, what happens next year with the Queensland Origin side? Well, how, many of these, how many of these players get picked next year? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I, look, they were very good. They were very good. Mm. Yeah, I've got no issue with any of them being there again, other than Jake Friend. Yeah, Jake Friend. He, he was terrible. He was terrible and in the whole series. Harry Grant shows him in you know essentially sixty minutes. Mm-hmm. Just how much Jake Friend does not deserve to be there, sadly. Yeah. In fact, when you watched Harry Grant out there, you were like, thank God this dude wasn't playing the whole series. Yeah. Um, and he just looked right at home. Like, there was no uh, nerves, no fear. He just rips in. Just that level. You can see with him, he is that level of player where, he, I mean, he was, he, I'm sure he would say, uh, like, the game went so quick and all this sort of stuff. But he looked comfortable out there. It looked like his level of, of play, you know. Yeah. Um, look, I don't think there's too many different different changes you'd make to that Queensland team. I I think that Valentine Holmes was a lot better on the wing. I wouldn't have him at fullback, but he was better on the wing. Uh, he dropped a couple of sitters, though. I mean, he could have had a couple more tries. Um, I don't think Corey Allen plays at Origin anytime soon. I, and... Look, he tried hard. I think he was asked to do something that he probably, in terms of playing Origin, that he probably wasn't ready for. And that's not, you know, attacking him. I, I just think anybody in his position wouldn't have been ready for that. He was kind of only just starting to get a first grade start. Um, so I'm not going to have a go at him. He did brilliant considering. Yeah. Um, you know, they, I'm, I, I can't say how just impressed I was with Queensland. Like that 1995 team, everyone talks about that team. Man, this one's right there with that win. Like I'll remember this one alongside that win 
in 95. Yeah, I, I, I think so too. There's so many um, just players that you, you probably wouldn't think would get called up to play for Queensland in this series. Yeah. And it's because Queensland had so many players that were injured and so many players in such abysmal form from Brisbane and North Queensland. Mm-hmm. Um, it just made it hard to, to go and just pick a swag of players from those areas like you normally always do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, for them to come out and win the series, very impressive. Very impressive. Really was. Really was. And this New South Wales team, I mean, you know, what's the post-mortem for that, the the New South Wales team? Because I think that, um, you know, there's few players in the team that, I think cemented places going forward and there's other players who I think probably showed they weren't at this level of play. And then I, you know, and it happens a lot of the time with New South Wales, which I don't get is you question some of their selections. You know, I mean, Gutherson in the centres was a, a mistake. A bad one. Yeah, real bad one. Uh, it's just, and as we highlighted at the start, it's... Take all the jokes and whatnot away. He's he's not someone who makes many tackles in a game. So you take him and put him in centre, you probably make more tackles in one game at centre than he has to ever try and make in a whole season of fullback. Most fullbacks only make like, you know, have to tip like one or two tackles a game. Mm-hmm. They're not doing that much defensive work other than being in the right position and, you know, it's all about stopping kicks getting through and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of showed... He was he was caught out not sliding when he was supposed to slide a few times and caught out sliding when he wasn't supposed to and he didn't quite get the whole gist of it and didn't work with his winger too well sometimes in defence um, and Queensland targeting like Capewell was was you know making a beeline for him in those first two games mm, yeah and rightly yeah. so and look in this game it ended up and look it was because of injury the injury to uh to Tedesco with the head knock and then, you know, obviously Gutherson went to fullback and Isaiah Yo was made to play in centres and, look, he, he can probably get away with it at NRL level. We can't do it at, at state of origin level and, you know, it was pretty clear it wasn't working and you kind of hoped that, you know, Brad Fittler was going to make a change there because they were getting carved up down that side of the field and it didn't, it didn't come and, you know, I, I don't think that, you sack Brad Fittler as coach based on that, but it wasn't a good sign, that's for sure. I think what they needed out there is, I mean, that that's the sort of situation where it would have been handy to have a Wade Graham around. Yeah. Because he has the lateral movement and the agility to be able to cover centre if he needs to, because he plays wide enough when he plays in the back row for the Sharks. Mm-hmm. You could have just put him at centre and that would have been fine. He would have just, would have just been what he normally does. But he yeah. also has that playmaking in that short short kicking game that's such a threat out wide that not many other players have got. Would have been handy to have. Um, was, also, I, yeah, Pappenhausen on the extended bench. Yeah, Pappenhausen would have been really handy to have. <laughs> really, really handy to have. Um, I, I, look, I also think in terms of Isaiah Yo, the thing about him is his footwork and ability to break through the line in the middle of the field is fantastic. It's why you have him in your forward pack. And so he was kind of given this thankless task in defense out wide, which he was never going to win. Um, no. I said during the game, it was 
you know, it was a, a, a the Queensland team was salivating every time they got the ball. I went that side of the field. And in attack, he wasn't doing much because it's just not his game to be doing that. So no, uh, he, he could because he couldn't get any width. He couldn't run, you know, he couldn't run a little bit wider because he had sideline on one side, mm-hmm. and the rest he's running back into heavy traffic. Yeah, yeah. So he just had to run straight lines, which is a bit dull, I guess. And your footwork's not going to help you much out there when you know the the attack's not moving forward as well. Yeah, and that's the thing. The whole attack was was going to suffer because Tedesco is a huge part of that New South Wales attack. Yeah, and doesn't matter how good Guth, Gutherson is or isn't, he's not as good as Tedesco when it comes to chiming into the attack like that. Nah, not even close. Um, Tedesco plays like a genuine attacking fullback, whereas Gutherson plays more like a sliding five eighth type player, like Mitch mm-hmm. Moses does, I guess. He's more of a ball distributor than a line running, you know ball-playing sort of player. Like, Kalen Pong is another one that's kind of like Tedesco in that way. Mm. He'll take on the line and he'll set something up when he gets to the line. Yep. Gutherson more sits back and tries to set up for other players to do all that sort of stuff. Yeah, bludger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's terrible. Um, I tell, you know who I was impressed with in the last two games of the series, especially, was Tupo. I thought he really dug deep. Um, Josh Adokar is Josh Adokar, best wearing in the world. Unbelievable. Didn't put a foot wrong. Um, you know, I thought the New South Wales forwards were a little bit unimpressive. I thought Cody Walker was quiet in the first half, but he was always going to come into his own in the second half. Unfortunately, you know, Cody Walker time rolled around and he got basically knocked out of the game. Uh, it was yeah. just unfortunate. Uh, I thought that Cook played well, played very, very well, actually. Um, I thought that uh, Nathan Cleary played pretty well, especially in that second game. He was absolutely incredible. But even in the, the last game, he was all right. Uh, you can't blame him for the loss. Um, but, yeah, there's there's questions to ask for for New South Wales. The, the overwhelming thing for me from this series is that Wayne Bennett took over a thankless job, like a job where I actually thought when he took over, I was like, man, Wayne Bennett's really keen to lose a series. <laughs> and I didn't understand it. And he's come in and won a series. And I wouldn't be shocked if in the next, you know, couple of months or even next year we hear him say that is one of the most satisfying coaching performances he's ever had in his career. I agree. Um, yeah, you've got to be happy to take over a team like that mm. and have that sort of have that sort of success. That was pretty, pretty impressive. And to come back after copying an absolute pacing like they did in game two. Yeah. Uh, very impressive. That's very funny. impressive. Did, uh, you wouldn't have heard um, Phil Gould. After they'd won the game, of course, he was like, oh, I could tell that Wayne Bennett was <laughs> chilled after that first game. And yeah, he went into the second game, and I lost the second game, and he was still pretty calm because he knew they'd go play the third in Queensland. It was like, oh, Gus. He, he tried. He was actually a lot better in this game. He'd reined it back a lot, but he couldn't help himself in the last five minutes. Oh, dear Gus. He must be great on the horses. I reckon he must be a, like a multi, multi, multi-millionaire just yeah, on it's alone. The biggest enemy of the TAB. Imagine if, like, one day you see him driving around in a DeLorean and you're like, this makes sense. <laughs> now we get it. Who would play Biff Tannant from the NRL? 
Who'd be Biff Tannen? I'm sure there's someone that we can think would be. You know, Biff, if he was a bit bigger because of his hair, it'd be Des Hasler. Because <laughs> Biff Tannen had good head of hair. 1980s Des Hasler. Even now, Des Hasler's got a fantastic head of hair now. Do you reckon Des will ever let it grow long like it used to be? I can't imagine he would. He needs to. We need more coaches with long hair. Can you imagine if Des has, like, like, he's got the best hair in the NRL, easy. If he let it grow long and he comes back next year and at the start of the year he's got, like, a giant arrow, <laughs> giant arrow haircut where he's just shaved the sides down the back and he's got, like, the sweetest mullet that anyone's ever given to anyone. Like, you know how Tom Selleck grew the world's best moustache? Yes. Yeah, well, that would be the best mullet in history if Des Hasler did that. Yeah, that, it would beat the um, James Hetfield mullet of 1992. Oh, you reckon that's the best mullet? I'll tell you what, that takes some beating. What about Joe Dirt's mullet? That's pretty much styled off the James Hetfield one yeah, of 92. Good point, actually. It's uh, That was a pretty impressive piece of work, that one. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I reckon, I reckon Des is the only person that could... Take that title off off Hetfield. It would be incredible, especially you did that old with that much hair. He's a yeah. Once a good looking rooster, always a good looking rooster. Oh, <laughs> I know it's a curse we've both been given, Andrew. Hey, that's sure. Like, the amount of people have called me a cock before, mate. It's uh, it's unbelievable. <laughs> I know that I know they're talking about you know, me being good and a good looking rooster and that sort of stuff. So you know, I take those compliments. I wish I, that was what they were calling me on Twitter tonight. Fucking hell. <laughs> I'll just tell you nice things about you. <laughs> you didn't realise it. Oh, far out. Anyway, so 2020, right? This is the end of the rugby league season in this part of the world. Yep. It's been pretty interesting. Um, we've had a pandemic. The competition was stopped. They sacked the CEO. Panthers went on a the third longest winning streak in the history of the game and lost the grand final. Then New South Wales lost the Origin Series. But it's all well and good because NBA season starts in about a month from now and the the Houston Rockets are getting rid of all their good players. Oh, so they're like the West Tigers. Imagine, imagine... <laughs> no, they're not as bad as the West Tigers. Because the West Tigers have just given away um, Sam... Um, I forgot his surname now because he's left the club. They've given away young one young um one young prop who mm. had a had a pretty good season and mm. now another one's a bit unhappy because Tigers don't don't want to offer him a contract upgrade. Do we want to talk about that? I mean it's just it's just the same shit every year and it's just different player names. So they're yeah. just gonna get rid of two two young top quality forwards at a time when they could ill afford to lose any forwards, while yeah. at the same time they're chasing fucking wingers. Well, I saw a tweet you made about uh, Blake Ferguson has been told by the Eels, really good of the Eels, by the way. They've said, look, your contract ends uh, at the end of next year. We're not looking to re-sign you after the end of that contract. So just so you know, in case you want to plan something ahead of time, you know, they're letting him know well ahead of time. It's very nice of them, I thought. And I saw you tweet like, oh, you know, West Tigers, all sorted, wingers, great. Yeah. Winger, yes, okay, he's met all the criteria. Mm. How long before James Hooper joins the dots on that one? Now, 
Alloy A. Mm. Josh Alloy A. He's basically come out and said that he will never wear the West Tigers colours again. Uh, there's talk that he either wanted an upgrade or he wanted to go to the Seagulls. And the the Tigers' response has been very measured. Oh, wait a minute, it hasn't. It's been the opposite. And they've basically dumped shit on, on Alloy A. Uh, the, one of the chairman or one of their board members of the club actually said that for all they care, he would be cutting the grass at Leichhardt Oval next year, which is really nice you know, way to show what you think of your playing group. Yeah, it's a great way to um, resolve a bit of conflict there. Is instead of resolving it, you make matters worse. Yeah. Um. But yeah, uh, so Alloy, it seems like his manager has spoken to Manly, and Manly said, yeah, we're keen. We'll yeah. give you this much. Mm-hmm. And Alloy's going, huh, fuck, that's a lot more than I'm getting at the Tigers. I'll go to the Tigers and ask for a, a contract upgrade. The Tigers went, No. Yeah. And he's gone, oh, fuck this then. <laughs> and well, that's pretty much what's happened. And here's the thing, like, the NRL.com is reporting that the negotiations with the Tigers between LIA and the Tigers was for a two-year contract extension, which, in my mind, is not something outrageous. And Like, if if I said to you, two-year extension for LIA, yes or no? Yes. Yeah, you don't have to think about it very long, do you? No. It's like he's one of those players that when he's in the team, you're like, oh, yeah, this is someone we can maybe build something around. Um, I don't know why he would play with something so small. It's not like he's asking for five years or four years. Three years, I say yes. You know? Yeah, absolutely. He's, he's not old. No. And as we all know, they hit their peak at 30. He's still got a few years in him before that happens. Several <laughs> exactly. years. So, I, and I don't understand why they would... How that? How have they turned another? How have they turned this into another fucking mess? Well, see, the problem is he hasn't come from another club. He's not over thirty. These are problems. Yeah, like they're, they're happy to get, um, you know, happy to have Russell Packer there on fucking seven hundred grand or whatever is a year. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Alloy wants what six hundred k a year. Problem with Alloy is that unlike Packer, who who only plays whenever he fucking feels like it, mm-hmm. which is once a month, and even when he does roll out once a month, he only puts in about fifty percent of that performance on the field. He's actually worthwhile talking about. The other fifty percent is just the fuck. Yeah. Um, Alloy plays pretty much every week and rips in, and that's his problem. He's 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 playing too well. Yeah, he doesn't feel like a West Tiger, does he? No, no, he, he actually puts in. So we, we can't have that. Got to get rid of that. We need to get some players in there who have passed their best, who possibly players who are thinking about retiring. That's why they went after that um, uh, Tim Manor. Remember when they went after him a few years back? That's odd, oh, and they couldn't get him, eh? They couldn't get him, and then he chose to retire. <laughs> he chose to retire. I actually <laughs> watched the end of his career. He chose to play in reserve grade with Parramatta for the rest of the year. Yeah, yeah. Um, they couldn't even coax him away from retirement. Yeah. Um, the thing that gets me is like, and then you've got someone like Benji Marshall. It's Benji's like, yeah, I'll pay, play, whatever. Just pay me whatever. I'll play another year. And they're like, no, thanks, Benji. We're, we're covered. We've got Josh Reynolds and, yeah, you know, Moses and Bye. So see you, Benji. 
and and so they push him out the door. This is a year after Madison leaves, and now Alloy is like it's turned into a mess. And like, what type of it's? I I don't like to use this term because I think that the media use it use it a lot, but I feel like it's a fucking toxic club right no. now. I wouldn't say it's toxic. It's just a shit show. It's I been just... a non-stop shit show. Yeah. Like, they they merged. It was a shit show from the merger. Yeah. Because, you know, West were just a complete basket case. Mm-hmm. Bowman were heading in that direction. They had a few yeah. more years in them anyway. Yeah. And then a whole heap of Bowman players pretty much made up the bulk of the team. And then they had all that money handed to them mm-hmm. for merging. And they splashed it all on a bunch of and Jared McCracken. Yeah. And McCracken got injured. Very unfortunate, that. And then just died in the ass. Died in the ass. Got worse. <laughs> a few juniors came through, thanks to Tim Sheens. Yeah. They won a premiership. Yeah. Died in the ass. Absolute shit show, shit show, shit show, shit show, shit show, shit show. Made the final two years in a row. Back to being a shit show. And it's just been there ever since. Now, we've got an email about the Tigers. Oh, yippee. Okay, so it says... It's, is, it from, it, is it from Potato by any chance? No, no. Oh. It, it's from someone called Tiger's Man. Okay. So he says, he says, hello, fellas. I've been listening to your podcast since the very start, and I've loved every episode. That's awesome to hear. Thank you for that. Your chats give me a good laugh, and I thank you for doing what you do. As a Tigers diehard, I was too young to appreciate our four, and he does successful in air quotes, years. Um, Did he say four? Yeah, he said our four successful years, and I did think that another premiership was coming in the near future. My question is, where did did we go wrong? Was it the Benji, Robbie, Mick Potter drama where it began and why we are still a joke? If we have to... If we have to fail for another eight years to become successful and be on the right path like the Panthers are right now, so my future kids can watch the Tigers be dominant club, I would be okay with that. But it doesn't look like we are moving forward in any way. Where do we start? Okay, so 2005 was a combination of pretty much all the stars aligning for the West Tigers. The They brought in a couple of really good young kids all at the same time, uh, most of them were rep quality players from the get go. You know, typically Benji and um, and Robbie were absolute standouts from the start, obviously. Um, but the rules of the game were actually really tailored to the way the Tigers play, which was light mobile forwards, and there was a, very much a running game then. Um, and so they capitalised on that. Two thousand six came along, and that's when we saw really firsthand the wrestle starts to come into the game and it slowed the ruck down so much that the Tigers' small forwards just got out-muscled every week. Mm-hmm. So what they did to try and counter that was fling the ball wide, give it to Benji and let him create something. And that's pretty much the game plan from then until when Benji left. Mm-hmm. And I'm not even I'm not even being facetious there. That's pretty much it. Even when they changed coaches, that yeah. was pretty much still the same thing. Um, the drama with... Uh, Mick Potter and stuff like that. No. Potter came in and he was actually doing some some reasonably good stuff. He had to try and change the team around a bit of the culture and stuff because it became a bit of a boys club under Tim Sheens. And yeah. Sheens had long overstayed his welcome. Um, 
But Gordon Tallis came on to try and, in quotes, protect his mate <laughs> by throwing him under the bus and costing him his job. Thanks, Gordon. Dickhead. Um, but at the same time, it completely derailed the Tigers. They then went and made a rash decision to sign an absolute moron instead of overlooking some actual credible coaching options. <laughs> um, Jason Taylor came along with a focus on improving the Tigers' defence, which he almost did, he did before completely fucking it up and making it worse than it ever been. Um, so he then got arsehole. And a lot of a lot of Jason Taylor's tenure was all about trying to get Robbie Farrow out of the club because the club didn't want to honour their contract to him, mm. which is one where they would pay Robbie Farrow back for um, salary that Farrow had waived in previous seasons to try and keep the club under the cap to keep other players there. Yeah. And look, Farrow's not the only person who have ever done this. There's a lot of players who have done this, you know, of the elite kind. I mean, I know Paul Gallen has had did it as well at at the Sharks, there's a, pretty much every club's had players that have done it, done this. And they get told, you get it back into contract and you get your money at the end of your career. Don't worry about it. And that's pretty much yeah. what happens. Yeah. But the club made that decision and then they didn't want to be paying Farah 900k a year at the end. So they tried to offload him mm-hmm. and didn't completely dog him of that money he was owed anyway that they agreed to pay him. And Farah rightfully said, no, I've got a contract. I'm going to honour it. Mm-hmm. So they couldn't get rid of him. Um, he eventually went to South for a year and a half before being asked if he'd like to come back, and he said, yes, of course. Mm-hmm. He came back. Wasn't being paid much either. Oh, by the way, when he went South, we're still played, paid a massive chunk of his salary. Yep. Yep, about 65 70% of it. Mm. Um, so South were paying, pretty much paying fair and market value. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, but when Farrah came back, all of those that old contract had been paid out. So Farrah was on very little coin by the time he came back and he agreed to that. He was fine with it. Yeah. As was Benji. Um, but no, the, the problem has for a long time, not really been so much the cattle, but the people running it. Yeah. So, um, the person they had there doing a lot of the recruitment and retention was, he, he went to, got to get this right. He went to the, he went to Manly first mm-hmm. at the time when they went and busted the salary cap and had to ditch a whole heap of players. Mm-hmm. He then went from there to the Bulldogs. <laughs> and he was at the Bulldogs when their salary, when their, when their um, roster got completely butchered. Yep. <clears throat> and after he'd done those two hatchet jobs, the Tigers decided to bring him back. And you reap what you sow. Look what's going on now. Um, I don't know why they persevere with people like that. Mm -hmm. Um, It's clear he's no good at it, but they keep bringing him back, so who knows. They finally got themselves a genuinely good coach, their first genuine good coach since Sheens, Mm -hmm. and he's he's going to need three years just to get through all of the stupid purchases that have been made by the club by Taylor and... Uh, Ivan Cleary, because they put them all on these four-year deals. Mm. Got me feet wide. And those deals don't end until the end of next season. So there's not much that uh, Maguire can do until pretty much the middle way through next year when he's able to start negotiating players' contracts that he's currently got there. and He's going to start releasing players. And he's going to have a ton of money to play with at the you know, next year. Yeah. So don't expect the Tigers to be doing much in the market this year, but next year... 
he's going to have, he's probably going to have two to three million dollars available to him. Yeah, yeah, you'll see. You'll see that Maguire will start to build the roster that he kind of wants, I guess. Yeah. That, look, the thing that gets me about the West Tigers, and it's a real institutional thing, is how much drama there is off the field with them, and not even so much with the playing group. Just like, you know, rumours that get put out, and it's like at some point, it's like it's got to come from management. You know. Well, it, Things about like they want rid of this player, they, you know, they don't want to give this player this much money, and and then you look at who they their recruitment is the worst in the competition bar none. Like even the Bulldogs look at the West Tigers recruitment and say, "Geez, let's never get that bad," you know. Yeah. Um, it is terrible to the point where you can you can make the joke about, oh, you know, so and so just got released in November. He'll be a West Tiger in a month's time, and. It, it's that bad. It's that bad. And, like, you know, if Aloye leaves, that's two pretty handy forwards that they've lost back-to-back seasons in real acrimonious circumstances. And it shouldn't be like that over and over and over again. No, and half the problem, too, is they carry the same burden that Cronulla does, and that is one of their most vocal fans happens to be one of the higher-ranking people within News Limited. Mm-hmm. So the Sharks have got Buzz Rothfield as a fan. Tigers have got James Hooper. Yeah. And so you will hear the Tigers in the news a lot when it comes to player signings and, you know, disharmony and shit like that because Hooper, just like Buzz, doesn't have much journalistic integrity or skill. Mm-hmm. So when they can't come up with a story and they need to get one, they'll just go and ring their mates at their club and say, have you got any news for me? And then they'll write down whatever shit they get fed. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens, and so that's why every week you'll get a story from one of from those two clubs because those two lazy bastards work there, and that's that's the only way they know how to get stories. That's my opinion. My you opinion. know, the thing that summed up the West Tigers off-field issues for me, and, and it was an incident, and I can't even remember. It might have been with uh, with um, Robbie Farah and um, Potter, Mick Potter. I think it was those two and it was when it was farah it was up to farah to be out there in the press conference yeah. and like that was not his role that was no. the role of the ceo or that the chairman had, of the... yeah that was when we had grant meyer as yeah. the chair um and the stupid thing about all of that is like both potter and farah had come out during that season several times and it's just like several times in consecutive weeks saying that's all water under the bridge. We've all moved on from that now. We're all perfectly fine. They talk about how they get on well with one another. They live in the same apartment complex. They play tennis with one another. You know, they all got on fine. Mm. The media would not buy it because it doesn't sell stories. Mm-hmm. So they kept hammering home. There's some sort of tension. There's some sort of rift, blah, 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 blah. You know, Farrell wants this coach gone and Farrell's trying to sack another coach and he's never had one sacked. But, you know, um, they didn't mind smearing Farrah's um, reputation over that crap. So when Farrah had the temerity, <laughs> for lack of a better word, to go and do what he's what the actual fucking leader of the club should have done and face the press about all that shit, it showed how much of a leader Farrah was and how, the, how much he respected and loved the club more than that pea-hearted Grant Meyer did. 
And yeah, obviously, Meyer fucking left and went to do some marketing shit at Manly or something like that after that. He'd be, he came from the Bulldogs as well. I have a feeling he also, I think he did worked at AFL for a oh, minute probably. as well. The um, thing that shit me about Meyer too is that throughout all of that, he said nothing. He had, he could have come yeah. out and said, you know what, we're going to issue a statement and say, right, this has all been resolved. We've figured all this out. Everything's fine now. Let's all move on. He went, no, nah, just let Robbie deal with it. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if it was an idea to try and get Farrah to leave because they probably didn't want him there anyway at the stage because he cost too much. I don't know. It's crazy. But, um, yeah, you hear people talk about how Farrah has coaches ditch us about it. So we'll go through them. Tim Sheens, he said at the end of 2011 that if the Tigers don't make the finals in 2012, he will step down. It was a handshake deal he made with the club. So obviously there was nothing written down in in you know official copy you know anywhere mm-hmm. but obviously the tigers finished ninth didn't make the finals despite starting the year as premiership favorites um and he refused to step down so the club pulled the trigger on him and said you're fired sheens then took him to court and won a case to get paid out in all these remaining years of his contract which was a few million dollars so the club couldn't afford to get a top quality coach to replace him with. They didn't have the money, so they had to get a, a budget coach. And who better than the bloke who coached in England for free, Mick Potter? <laughs> you get Mick Potter and you, all you got to do is offer him 50 bucks. He's like, well, that's an upgrade I want to pay and <laughs> getting over here. So, yeah. <laughs> um, and then all that drama went on. And the club eventually just said, look, we, we can't have both of you anymore because it's just too much drama. So Potter, I'm pretty sure Potter said, you know what, I'll walk away. Um, but Farrow didn't try and get him sacked. That was just nonsense. And then the whole thing with Jason Taylor, that was Jason Taylor was trying to get rid of Farrow from the get-go, and I dare say that wasn't a um, directive from the top. Um, and that just pretty much hampered everything that, that Taylor was trying to do. Yeah, and the thing about that too, like... <clears throat> I don't mind them saying I don't mind if the club brings in Jason Taylor and says, "Look, we want to clean out. We want to start from scratch, right?" And he says, "All right." And they know that it's going to be tough. They know that they've got some players like Robbie Farrow that's, you know, going to be difficult to get rid of. But there was no plan after that. It was not. It wasn't like they said we're going to. You know, we're going to move. We want Farrow to move on, and we've got this youngster coming through, and we got this. It was like, yeah, we'll get rid of Farrah. That's the first step. And then we'll work on the second step. And then when it blew up into a big media storm, it, it was like, well, nothing to do with us. It's you two. You know, you two deal with it. Yeah. I know. Look, that was the problem, too, is that they, they went and signed the long term injured Matt Ballon. I think he had a, had a knee operation done at Manly, and the Tigers signed him when he was still in recovery. Mm-hmm. And he only played three games in three years, and not one of them was an 80-minute game. Mm-hmm. I think he may have only just made 80 minutes all up for the Tigers in three years. Yeah. And that's not joking. Mm-hmm. Um, but they brought him over as if to say, right, this is going to be our full-time number nine, which means Farrell will be playing reserve grade. That was pretty much, I dare say, their, their plan of attack. Mm-hmm. And wait until Farrah got sick of playing reserves. That was pretty much, I think, what they had in, plan, or had in mind. That was their grand plan. That yeah. was it. Yeah. Um, and so, obviously, with Ballon being injured pretty much the entire time and no one else to back him up, Farrah had to play. 
and it was this burden that hung around Taylor's neck the whole time. And he he lacked the balls to come out and say, you know what, I think Robbie Farrow is perfectly fine. I can work with him. You know, no, I'm going to battle with him the whole time. Yeah. And it was just nonsense. Utter childish nonsense. Yep. Um, and whether you like Robbie Farrow or not, he had every right to put it, you know, put his boots down and say, you know what, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to stay right here because I've got a contract here. Yeah, 100%. And that's exactly what he did. Yep. He honoured his contract. Yeah. And people are now having a go at Josh Alloway for wanting to leave the club. And a lot of these same people hated Robbie Farrar for not leaving the club. <laughs> yeah. And, like, the thing is, too, I, the thing I can't get over is that if it really is a two-year deal, let's pretend it's a three-year deal. Even if it's a four-year deal, I've got to have a meeting over that. I have a meeting and I sit down and say, look, he's a solid forward. He's always there. He's, he's always pretty handy. You know, um, he's one of ours. You know, who are we going to replace him with? I, I go through all of these things and I probably say to him, look, how about we give you three years and we have the four year, the fourth year option as a team? Um, and if it, but if it really is over two years and they they've let it fall apart this quickly, I just can't believe it. He turned he turned twenty five just two weeks ago. Yeah, and he's played ninety games for the club already. Yeah, ninety. There's a reason Manly wants him. You know, he's yeah. a solid player. He's very good, and he's getting better. Yep. It's just nuts that they want to want to ditch him. I I don't get this club, and that's the thing is that it's full of bad decisions, one after the other after the other. That's all they know how to do. Um. Sam McIntyre was the one who's gone to the gone to the Titans. Had a very good year this year. Made his debut. Played twelve out of twenty games this year. Look, even that's how good he was. He forced him his way into that team, and then the Tigers didn't even offer him a contract. Even Eisenhuth, like Penrith, picked up him, and I was like, for us, for Pan- the Panthers, he's a really good signing because we're signing him as like fringe first grader sort of player, you know. The Tigers can't afford to lose him. No, and look, the, the thing that Eisenhuth brings is very good defence. Yeah. You may not offer a huge amount in attack, but he's a good defender. And for a team, a team that's got habitually horrible defence, you can't lose those players. No, no. And sure enough, they're letting him go. Sure, right. they've already let him go. Do you think they'll... They, and we laughed about it. Like, Mansoor... It hasn't been finalised, but it feels like it's going to happen. They they debuted two wingers this year. They've got Nofaluma yeah. on the other wing. Why are they chasing wingers? Do you, would you be shocked if they got Ferguson? No, I would not be shocked at all. And you know what? There'll be a bunch of fans going, this is fucking great news. Yeah. Like, no. Yeah. That's not great news. We don't need wingers. We've got Paul Momorowski coming back from Melbourne. He can play on the wing, and he's a goal kicker. You also debuted two other wingers this year. You've got Joey Lolua in the centre. Moses and Bai is going to be playing in the centres. You've got a Tommy Talao at the club as well. Um, you're good for three quarters. Why are we chasing more? And not just more three quarters, but expensive yeah. ones. Like, yeah, yeah. Man's also going to come to the club for 150 grand. Neither is Blake Ferguson. Why are we chasing them? Same as Addo Carr. Sure, it'd be great if they were there. But let's be honest, that's the last of the Tigers' worries. But 
and they're not finishing touches on a premiership winner team. Like say say the Parramatta Eels get Josh Adokar or the you know, the South Sydney Rabbitohs got Josh Adokar, you'd be like, Oh yeah, that's a nice you know, he's yeah. gonna make him just that bit more dangerous. West Tigers need basically a whole team. You know it'd be really nice for the West Tigers to get is a twenty five year old, extremely experienced front rower forward. <laughs> you know? With plenty of upside and, and growing to do. Yeah, who is willing to take a two-year deal. Yep. How frustrating. And that's the thing. They've they've lost Harry Grant. They've lost Benji Marshall. They're two best attacking players this year and Fine. brought in no one to replace them with. Yeah. And look, obviously, Jacob Little, is he's very good. And he actually got through the season this year. And he's going to have his first full off-season for the first time in God knows how long. Yeah. So hopefully that works out. But the problem is, if it doesn't, who's the fullback guy? And then we still haven't addressed who's replacing Benji Marshall. Because Josh Reynolds is on his last year this year. As is Billy Walters who they signed. They only signed Billy Walters on a two-year deal. Yeah. They're both gone at the end of the year. And then you, so you've got to find a, another 5'8 at the end of the season. And this is just why we're we chasing a winger when we need playmakers. I don't get it. We also need forwards. We need a proper forward rotation that's got fucking good defenders for a change in the middle on the edges. Why are we chasing wingers? Oh, man. And yeah. this is what the club's been besieged by is this constant, you know, this constant thing where they go, oh, this bloke's off contract. Let's go sign him. And they just go get whoever will say yes to them instead of going after who they need. Exactly. Exactly. And they've done this their entire existence. And it's that's the problem. Strange. You keep doing that, you'll never ever get what you want. Yeah. Like you, you feel as though their their recruitment doesn't start until the season's over, which is like three and a half months after the vast majority of teams have finished their recruitment. Mm. And that's what they do. They fight over the scraps. They wait until everyone else has spent their money and they go, right, let's see if we can pick ourselves up a bargain. And then they go and spend three times too much for that bargain. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Well, so I, is the woe of the West Tigers. I just look forward to the uh, the uh, Jake Friend era at the West Tigers, which you know is coming up sometime next year. How old is Jake Friend? We don't want to get him too early. <laughs> Thirty-one. Ooh, he's got oh, another. Mate. He's got he's, another he's, six or seven years in him. I was, was going to say he's, he's probably got another two or three years at the Roosters yet. I'll let him. The Roosters will say, right, let's get you here for 300 games, Jake, and then we'll put you on the open market. So that'll be another two seasons. So we'll get him when he's 33. What about if. Uh, Premiership winning origin player. Oh, Test yeah. Player. Can't go past him. What about uh, you get a call from the from Canberra? They say, accepted. Look. Accepted. <laughs> yeah, that's how it works with the West Tigers. Listen, <laughs> we like what we've done at Hooker. Josh Hodgson, he's a test player. Okay. Well, he used to be like, you know, four and a half years ago or something. But they'd take him. They would. They'd take him in a second, hey? The Tigers wouldn't even stop and say, you know, how about that other hooker you got there? They wouldn't ask about that. Yeah, we'll no. take Josh. We'll take Josh. Yeah. He'll, he'll work well here. Send him up Send him up to Hume Highway. Yeah, yeah, he'll, he'll be fine. Yeah. Would you like us to send a bus down and grab him? Wait a minute, he still can't walk at the moment? That's fine. We'll deal with that later. 
yeah. that's all just details. We've done this before. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Not available until July. That's fine. That's fine. Speaking of, I need to ring the Sharks about a 5'8". <laughs> <laughs> Moylan, we'll take you. They've inquired several times already. Why are they fucking inquiring about Matt Moylan? They keep doing it, eh? Fuck. I'm sure Johnson will be next. I'll put them both on there. To be fair, whenever you see Matt Moylan take the park, he does look like a West Tiger. <laughs> the problem the problem the Tigers would have is that he would come to the club and would be perfectly fit the whole time. Imagine, yeah, that would be the downside. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty rough. <laughs> you play every minute. He'll never miss a game. He starts like being called an Iron Man. All of a sudden, 38-year-old Matt Moylan's still running around for the Tigers, and people are like, man, this guy's like Cameron Smith. He's never going to retire. Yeah, that's the uh, that's where the likeness ends. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, if if I had my way and I was the Tigers, I'd be saying, like, let's go, go talk to Tom Starling at the Raiders. Go speak with Blake Braley at Sharks. If you want to chase mm-hmm. some decent quality playmakers who are young that's who you go for those are the top of the tree those two yeah but no they'll they'll get some some old bloke somewhere i know look i know harry grant is he's been locked into going back to the storm he's talked Mm -hmm. about it the whole time i would have made it impossible for him to go back i said hey harry we'll give you eight hundred thousand bucks a year and make him go to the storm and say, I I literally cannot come back. And they're going to say, why is that? And he's going to say like 800000 bucks a year on a, a four, five-year deal, whatever, you know. Yeah. And, and make them make them say, dude, you got to take that. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to match that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Or at the very least make him say, you know, this is the offer that the West Tigers have put to me to be their franchise player. Uh, if I come down to the Storm, I want to be your franchise player and I want to be starting to, like, make him start demanding from the Storm. And, and he was he, it, it's, he was there. He was there. Yep. Uh, yep. Terrible. Now, speaking of Cameron Smith. Yes. Don't know if you saw this or not. There was an article in a real estate magazine. Yeah. Did you see this? No, no. <laughs> All right. In a real estate magazine, there's an article which says, NRL great and former Maroons origin captain Cameron Smith has added fuel to the 2021 rumour mill, putting his hard-earned storm earnings down on a home in Queensland. Here's a first look inside, and it's all about the house that he's just bought in Queensland. Yeah. And then it says... While well, the beloved Maroons great this week confirmed that he had played his last game for the Melbourne Storm. What? Yeah. What? When? I don't know. This is in a real estate article. Okay. Hope has sprung among Queenslanders after reports of a secret meeting with the coach of the Gold Coast Titans. What real estate What real estate <laughs> article was this in? Where was this posted? I'm yet to find it. Someone took a screenshot of this part of the article. Okay. I said, imagine if the biggest rugby league story of the last 20 years has been unearthed by a real estate agent. That would be pretty funny. 
How furious would James Hooper be? And, and it's like just a real estate agent just doing really basic follow-ups. Yeah, like I'm just typing up shit here. Talk about Cameron Smith, just a bit of background as to why he's famous, and here's his house. Like, uh, just just uh, making a call. Yeah, I'm just... Like Cameron brought a house up here. Is he looking to retire up here? Oh, he is. Oh, this year. Oh, if he doesn't go to the, the Titans. Okay. All right, no worries. I thought I'd just better follow up because that's what a fucking journalist does. Thank you very yeah. much. <laughs> exactly. Exactly right. Um, I just found that fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> I, he was on the coverage tonight, which was interesting. Um, It didn't add too much to the coverage that I saw, but it was nice to see him there because, like, I mean, this is a guy that's got... Oh, I don't know that there is a rugby league player ever that's had more experience than Cameron Smith. Um, definitely in first grade there hasn't been, but even when you add his rep career, I mean, I don't think there's been too many players that can say they've played as many origins and tests together as well. But, like, it, it was interesting. It felt a bit retire-ish-y. Yeah. It felt like I, I've finished that. And if if he has retired and he's literally just stopped playing, that is just the best. That is the ultimate for me. None of this crying, snotting it up, you know, no, none of that. Just um, I've stopped playing now. It's all good. Yeah. I, I would love to see him come out for one more season. So would I. And I'd be... As I said before, I'd be surprised if he doesn't say, you know, I'm going to play for one more year, mm-hmm. and then he just plays off the bench or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, or, or you know, they put him in the halves or something like that. Just have him around the team, occasionally in the 17, that sort of thing. Um, just to, I suppose, guide Harry Grant around a little bit and show him a little bit of the leadership stuff, because Grant is undoubtedly going to be their next captain and future star and stuff like that. He's their next Cameron Smith, essentially. Cameron Smith is one of the few players that I feel like could honestly fill that mid-role that once upon a time was called a captain-coach. You couldn't have a a captain-coach as they used to have it these days. The coach does too much. Mm. But I I think that, uh, as you say, have him on the bench. Some weeks have him in there. Some weeks maybe you don't play him. Uh, like I could see a a thing where next he says, look, I'm committing full-time next year, but the following year I would be part-time. And I think he could do that. Absolutely. He could. And it would, it would be perfectly fine with him and the club. Yeah. Because I don't know. I think the, the cherry of getting 450 games, I think it's too close to, to ignore. He's 20 games away from it. Yeah, it's so close, and it's one of those things. I mean, 400 games was ridiculous. 450. No one's passing that anytime soon. No, no. Nothing to his 214 points away from 3,000 as well. Yeah. Man, I, I'm the same. I, I Look, I still think he's the best hooker in the world. Oh, absolutely. Easily, easily. Um. So I, I don't know. I think there's just a few cherries there with them that might coax him to go around one more year. I hope he does it for the storm too. Oh, likewise, likewise. There's I'd love, something I'd, to I'd, me. I'd love nothing more than yeah. for him to start parading about his house on the Gold Coast, <laughs> and even even just to rub it in a bit, 
just you know do an episode of you know some real estate show or something like that where he's getting around. He's just got a, a Gold Coast Titans training signal on that he just bought online. If he has just strut around his house, going, "Yeah, this is my new Gold Coast pad." <laughs> he has a he has a like a signed Titans jersey on the wall. Yeah. He's just, you know, and he goes out the back. He's got a barbecue there next to his boats. Yeah, he's all of his boats. <laughs> and Justin Holbrook's there. He says, Another snag? Yeah, sure, Just That'd be great, mate. He starts posting pictures on Instagram from the Gold Coast, like saying, oh, preseason starts today. Yeah, just, you know, and he's got just got to with the boys. Up. He's there yeah. with like Ash Taylor. That'd be so good. <laughs> and then turns up and says, yeah, I'm playing for the Storm this year. Isn't it weird how, like... And he's been the perfect example of, like, the media gets to points with... And it's not just sportsmen. It's in all sorts of walks of life where they're like, say the words. We want you to say the words. Mm -hmm. Cameron Smith has just been like, I'm good. And that's got them so furiously angry that they've written angry, pouty articles about him not saying the words. They're frothing at the mouth over him. Yeah. You know what? I never used to have much of an opinion about Cameron Smith, the human. Mm -hmm. Great player, undoubtable. Mm. But I I just didn't care much about, you know, getting into who he is as a person. Mm. But the more and more James Hooper gets irritated by him, the Mm. more and more I love Cameron Smith. Yeah, it's a good sign for a person's character. Yeah, and he does it so easily. That's what makes it so great. Yeah. Like, Smith's just toying with him. It, and I, I love the fact that he can toy with the media just as just as easily as he toys with opposition defences. There's something within me that I love those moments where somebody says, you have to do something, and you look back at them and you say, I don't have to do fucking anything. <laughs> and and there, there's nothing that they can say back to you that changes that situation, and it makes them really angry. And that's exactly what Cameron Smith has done. So I love it. Like, I would love for him to say nothing, even going into round one, and then he runs out for the storm. I, that, would, to me, would be like, oh, this guy's a gangster. <laughs> that, that's all he needs to do. Yeah. But just tell the storm, you know what? I'll sign a one-year deal. Don't tell anyone. Don't even tell members. Mm-hmm. Just lit up in the air. And they'll just watch me run out round one. And then, well, actually, just announce it on game day. Mm-hmm. Like an hour before kickoff. Yeah. The Melbourne Storm are happy to announce that Cameron Smith has signed a one-year deal with the club. Yeah. <laughs> and then how he runs. Cameron must have a big press conference. Cameron Munster's the new captain. You know, all that sort of stuff. <laughs> Ah, oh, it'd be so good. It'd be, so, be so good. That would be phenomenal. Um, yeah, he's got a he's got his book out at the moment, autobiography. Yeah, you're gonna buy it. Um, I'll I'll have a look at it and see if I don't know. I've got this weird, very egotistical thing I do now when I see a rugby league book. All right, tell me about it. I go to the back and see if Rugby League Project's mentioned in it. If it's oh. not, I go, oh, I'll leave it. <laughs> the fucking ego. <laughs> it, it, it'd be, it's one of the few Rugby League books I've ever thought, you know what, I wouldn't mind flicking through that a little bit. Yeah, like, I'm not a huge fan of autobiographies, but yeah. his would definitely be fascinating. Yeah, I think the thing with him is, and we've seen some of the, the talk about the salary cap stuff. There are 
because of the way the media handle Smith and the way that they sort of set him up in a lot of circumstances. And then Smith is just, he does his own thing. And so his perspective is going to be so much, so different. And I, I think that that makes it all very interesting to see what he's, even if what you think he, he thinks on certain subjects isn't, it doesn't make you feel like he is right about a situation. It would be interesting to see what he thought, you know? Yeah. Because the Cameron Smith we hear about in the media is very negative. It's a very negative campaign that the media runs against him. And I've never understood it, but I I, I think that, yeah, he'd, he'd actually have an interesting book. I might get it for Christmas. Yeah, and I think the thing that would make it interesting is he's not the sort of person to, you know, shy away from anything. Mm. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see. I'm I'm thinking about um think about whether I get it or not. Yeah, well, we, you can check the fucking back of it. And oh well, if, if I'm not mentioned, then fuck him. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I want it mentioned. I want my name in there in Cameron's yeah. book because this is the thing. Okay. I'm more important than any rugby league player. <laughs> <laughs> Have you signed for Channel 9 and I don't know it? <laughs> no, I write for, write for Fox Sports now. Ah, oh, damn it. Yeah. Oh, shit. As, um, what's his name? I've been saying that he's been pitching my stuff all the time. It was just me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah George Clark. That's, that's my pen name, George Clark. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, you know, we've only got three more rugby league games left this year. Yes, we do. Yeah. Two should... two semifinals, Super League semifinals, and then the grand final, which will be played in Hull. And uh, then it's all over. Then Let's we can do, do quick... the King of Rugby League awards. Let's do a quick recap, shall we? So, or a quick uh, review. Wigan Hull FC, who you got? Oh, I'd always go Hull. Yeah, I'm going Hull. Okay. I think Wigan will win, but I want Hull to win. So I'm yeah. cheering on Hull. Okay. And St. Helens, Catalan. I think Catalan. I think, like, I think Catalan will be just way too good. I'm not sure on that one. I think St. Helens will win, but I'm definitely cheering Catalan hard. I mean, Saints haven't won a game since October 23. There you go. They lost to Salford and Wigan. Ah. Um, Catalan beat Leeds last week. Part of me wants to see James Graham go out the only way James Graham should go out. What, losing a grand final? Yeah. Oh, no. Runners up medal. You see, the thing is, though, Catalan have got an X factor when it comes to grand finals, and that's James Maloney. Exactly. He knows how to get there, and he knows how to win them. Yep. I mean, he did it at a club that hadn't won a premiership before. Mm -hmm. Just rocks up. Don't worry, guys, I've got this. Bam, 2016 Sharks win Premiership. Yeah, okay, you know what? I'm done now. I'll go to another club and do it over there. Mm-hmm. He's had, he, he is, it's weird. He has had very, very good success. I mean, even if you say, like, you know, the worst club he's maybe been to is Penrith. He was bloody great at Penrith. Oh, yeah. Unbelievable. Mm. Um, actually, that last year at Penrith was his worst season in first grade, with, mm. as far as win percentages go. Since his uh, last year at the Warriors, yeah, and it's only two of eleven seasons where he had less than a fifty percent success rate. It's crazy. 
the bloke's just a born winner. That's yeah. all he does. Yeah. So, and he's and, he's and a Channel, just Channel Nine turned his whole Channel Nine turned his whole career into going say barbecuing alone again. Yeah, that, that's all that matters. Yeah, that's all that matters is the barbecue thing. Because yeah. they don't know how to have a sense of humour. No, no, they are. Uh... <sighs> I hear a joking a quick. We need to spam the shit out of that until people we... get sick of it. I need that on a loop for the next 15 years. Yeah, until we find another joke to replace it with, that's our joke. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I think they're still using it, aren't they? Uh, I I would guess that they would be, yeah. Yeah, I haven't heard another joke on there since. Nah, I hate it when people spam jokes over and over again, eh? (laughs) That certainly wouldn't be us. That's what she said. Yeah. Now, uh... One last thing. Mm-hmm. Horses are shit. Now let's get into uh, what now. shit? <laughs> oh yeah, you got your you got into a bit of a tiff over horses. We've That's been what... through this. Yeah. You want to you want to talk about horses in the podcast? I do. I want to. I, I know somebody who has been around horses, like properly been around horses all their life, and I'll bring them on the podcast and ask them about horses because okay, I... I'm here. Let's go. You haven't been around horses all your life. I've been around horses. But not like a horse person. Well, no. Yeah, they say I want to talk to a horse person. Why? All they do is go, nay. (laughs) I just realised it it could be like, no, I said horse. Horse person. No, I, I want to be around... So you're off to the seedy part of Penrith. <laughs> no, I want to talk to a horse person you're, about... Uh, you're about paying. <laughs> um, I think it would be interesting. Uh, I don't. You hate, why do you hate horses so much? Because they don't taste like anything worthwhile eating. That makes true. them useless. That's true. Yeah, that much just makes them useless. Okay. Okay. I, I, I think there's a reason you hate them, and you're going to find out one day. No, that's it. Okay. That's it. If you have to if you have to try and pass them off as beef to try and eat them, then there's something wrong with it. If horse tasted any good, we'd be eating it already, and it'd be a good animal to have. I wonder what horse tastes like. Apparently, according to the French and some of the British in the uh, about a decade ago, it tastes like <laughs> beef. Yeah. Audi, were, I think it was Audi who put them in their lasagnas. Yeah, there was some place like that. Hey, they, yeah. they had to apologise. Yeah, not not Audi Australia. No, no, no. 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 Something like that. they've got all sorts of different shop names over in England. They all sound similar to our ones. Yep, little Audi, all the other ones. Mm-hmm. I don't know what they are, but anyway, Central Park, Central Park, Morrison's. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, we're not going to stop during the off-season. We don't have an off-season here. I know a lot of other podcasts, Andrew says this a lot, weakness. They show their weakness over the off-season. They've got no content, as you say, Andrew, all the time. (laughs) (laughs) No, he doesn't say that. (laughs) That's why they keep keep asking me to go on their podcast in the off-season. Exactly. Someone just fucking abuse Andrew on Twitter, please. (laughs) I'm sick of being the only one in the 
fucking fire him on. Um, <laughs> so we, we don't have an off-season here, so we'll be doing lots of history episodes. Yeah, we'll finally um, get around to them after saying we're going to do them all year. We're going to yeah. do them all in the off-season. We have a, I know we, we teased it in March, but we've got a good episode on Women's Rugby League coming up. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's around the corner. Um, we're going to edumacate you in the off-season. Yeah, it's going to be good fun. I'm looking yeah. forward to it. Yeah, that'll be pretty good. Got an awful lot to get through there. Yeah. Um, I assume, too, there'll be a fair bit of play movement and stuff going on in those pretty much three, three and a half months before the next season starts. Yeah, well, you know, there's... I mean, you, you think about how many teams are trying to um, get their final roster sorted out. It's, uh, it's going to be a little bit of a quicker off-season for most of them, so... We'll see some play movement there, all to the West Tigers, obviously. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they all line up next year. Yeah. Well, Tigers will be most of the same, except all the good players will be gone. Yeah. Well, yeah. Manly needs some players, you know. <laughs> Everyone needs players. <laughs> Just not the Tigers. Um, it's cool. We started up doing an Origin um, review and ended up just bitching about the Tigers. So it's not like that's ever happened before. No, it feels like that only happens every two or, th- two or three episodes. We end up the last hour is just bagging the Tigers. Yeah. I'm waiting for someone to say they're sick of it. Yeah, no one has, hey? No. Um, we, got, we got a good email that I, I think we'll save for the next episode because it, it's an episode, It's a, a subject we can really chew on pretty well. Okay. So, yeah, that'll be, that'll be good fun. It's, uh, if you're listening, Liam... We haven't forgotten your email. We're going to get stuck into that next episode. Yeah, it's good. All right. Well, people, please get out there and give us a review. We haven't, we've only had one since the start of October. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, so give us a review. Give us a five-star rating. We'll put it up on the website. We'll read it out on the podcast. We'll make you famous. You'll yeah. be up there with great names like manscaped.com. Exactly. You know what that. Exactly. And, you know, at, if you go to manscaped.com right now, put in... The promo code, which is NRL, that's our exclusive code just for anybody that's listening to this. Get yourself the performance package. It has everything, absolutely everything. Your balls will be just in pristine condition over summer. If you're in the Northern Hemisphere, they're they're available there too. You, You might be freezing cold and your balls are sucked up into your torso, but your sack will be smooth. Because smoother, you've used the perf- it's it's going to be gross. I was going to say, it's smoother than James Hooper's head. Oh, it'll shine. It'll and, shine. And you used the like the ball toner and the ball preserver. Ah, it's brilliant. You get the microfiber shorts. It make your junk look fantastic. Just, it's really the best. You got to use the right. You got to use the right tools for the job, Andrew. The right tools for the right tool. Yeah, exactly. That's it's it. a precision trim with proper grooming. It requires a precision engineer tool. Exactly right. Mm. Now, you can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Fergo Freak Pod. One day we might actually start using the Instagram page and putting stuff on there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, we're also on LinkedIn. So if you want a job with a podcast, go there and we won't give you one. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't know why we're on LinkedIn. We just are. Why the hell not? Uh, 
You can also find us on Facebook. Get over there and give us a like. Share all the podcast episodes that come up. Get involved in the chat over there too. That'd be good. We're on YouTube. Same thing. Subscribe. Like all the videos. Get involved in the chat. Um, and go, go to uh, on Twitter. Go to at League Freak. Just say you're a really nice person or like have a nice day. Just something positive, please. Yeah, something positive and nice to Freaky. He gets yeah. a lot of hate mail. Just oh, give you something it, nice. Can we go back to the good old days when I just got DM'd like thousands of pictures of like boobs and stuff? <laughs> they were the good old days. So any blokes listening? No. That's what Freaky wants. No, no, I don't want moobs. <laughs> Slide into his DMs. <laughs> and uh, I can tell you now. He's available. <laughs> I feel like this is going to end really badly. It's okay. I'll, I'll end it now. Um, you can also go to our website, virgoonthefreak.com, Virgo mm. and you can go in there and, uh, Freaky, they can leave a message for us. Yeah, go to the contact section and uh, write something in and contact us, and we'll read it out on the podcast. Absolutely. Easy as that. Uh, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Catch us all next time. <laughs>